Hello, and welcome to the Untitled Female Driven Podcast. We are three film and television writers who are here to talk about how to make it as professional writers in the entertainment industry. This podcast covers what we wish we'd known when we were getting started, so that you can learn the easy way what we learned the hard way. I'm Hannah Rosner. I mostly write for television. I'm Jess Cho. I mostly write television as well. <laughs> I almost said I'm Erica Schreiber. I mostly write features. So there you go. It's just, you know. <laughs> but I'm Erica Schreiber and I mostly write features. Oh, gosh. So what are we talking about today, guys? <laughs> we're talking about adaptation. As much as I would love to specifically talk about the movie adaptation, which I think is one of the greatest movies about writing that ever there has been, that's not what we're here to talk about. Today, we are talking about adaptations of IP. And specifically, IP means intellectual property. And that can range from anything from a poem, a play, a novel, a short story, a video game, uh, a life story, a life story, a news article, a podcast, anything where the story has been told before in another form. But yeah, like if you're taking something that well, I was going to say that isn't a movie, but like you could adapt a movie into a TV show or a TV show into a movie, you know, like that happens all the time now. But I think what we want to talk about is more along the lines of like a, a book or a short story, right? That's the most common, I think, adaptation. And it's the one that I think all three of us have some experience with. Why don't we talk about just the pros of adapting IP? Yeah, it seems super fun. But also, it's almost like you have a cheat sheet, right? Like if you were adapting like a murder mystery, like a really smart murder mystery. And then you just take the really clever way that this author, Agatha Christie or whoever has like done it. And then you're like, now I shall do it like this. You don't have to figure out how the killer did it because it, it exists. Exactly. You don't have to figure out the world or the characters or the crazy plot twists that eventually lead to your climactic ending. It's all there in front of you. Your job is just to figure out how to, shall we say, structure it so that it fits the format that you've been assigned. Of course, that's assuming that this is an OWA, an open writing assignment, and not a project that you found the rights to. But we'll get to that in a minute. You know, if it is an OWA, uh, that means it is probably a job, which is great, which means there's probably a production company or a studio. Like there's someone, you know, who someone powerful behind it, which is always helpful towards actually getting something made. There's plenty of production companies that are only interested in doing IP. It's, it's just a big cheat in a lot of good ways. Like you don't have to reinvent the wheel and you have built-in fans already. So you know there's interest. And the market is absolutely crazy for adaptations right now. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like Marvel is all adaptation, right? Uh -huh. they, took, they take comic books and they turn it into enormous movies. So those are the good things about IP is, is existing source materials so that you don't have to make everything up. You can use the great stuff the author or whoever has already created. Plus you have, you know, some level of freedom to maybe fix something that you think is not quite right in the book or short story or life story or whatever. You know, it's something that is probably easier to get made. Let's talk about the cons of adaptation. The cons of adaptation. Well, you're generally pretty pegged into what the story is. So for example, Harry Potter ends with killing Voldemort. You cannot in your adaptation decide, actually Voldemort kills Harry. That's not a thing. No matter how strongly you feel about it, that Harry should have gotten got and Voldemort should have <laughs> prevailed in the end, no matter how much you want it, you cannot do it. Right. You would offend the fans of the source materials. Don't adapt a thing if you don't like the thing. You have to respect the material and, and love it. And that means respecting 
that certain things happen for a reason in the story that you're adapting. But I do wonder, how do you guys determine what you can change and what you are sort of locked into? Is that a matter of having a conversation up top with the creators or the the company that owns the material and saying, okay, I really, let's pretend that we really feel strongly that Voldemort should kill Harry for some reason. I don't know. There's, there's different levels of IP. Everyone's read Harry Potter. Everyone knows how that ends, right? So you really can't fuck around with that. The first adaptation I, job I ever got was for a novel that no one had heard of and almost no one had read, but the company owned the IP because they that was part of their, their business model. And so when I pitched on it, there were some, some big problems with the book, right, that made it uh, not that great. But I, I took it, I added a whole like genre element, um, but I, I kept the character, the main character, very similar to how she is in the book. And so a lot of what I changed was plot devices. And I did specifically change the ending because uh, the producers were like, we think the ending is the weakest part of the book. So it just depends on that's if it's a job, you know, like if it's a job, you want to make sure that you and the producers are on the same page of how you see it. Because if you come in with some crazy take like I did, and they're like, actually, we want just a really faithful adaptation because we think this is perfect as is, well, then you've, you've made a mistake. So like, if it is an OWA, that conversation with the producers is really important. If it's not an OWA, if this is something you've gotten the rights to yourself, or that project is very dependent on the re- your relationship with the author. So you need to know how okay the author is with you changing stuff. That's very similar to something that I'm working on right now. I went out and sought the rights myself. I contacted the author. I had to pitch myself. I had to pitch my version of the show to her, and she had to decide whether or not she wanted to go forward with it. And I'm very thankful uh, that she decided, yeah, I can see a way forward with your version. My version stayed very true to her characters, but because I was adamant that it be a TV show, I needed to give a bit more to the story, right? So make sure the stories had legs to carry on for potentially five seasons, which was not necessarily in the book, which meant adding some characters, adding some plot, and having the characters make some pretty different decisions and have different inciting incidents than what was originally in the book. That being said, tonally and thematically, I stayed very true to what was there. So it's always about working within the sandbox, like building the castle out of the sand of what is there, as opposed to like moving to a different planet. But do you guys usually start where the property starts or do you sometimes say, okay, well, this makes sense when you're starting a novel or a, a book trilogy to start the story right here. But for a TV show, it might be better to, let's say, cut forward in time a little bit. I'm in kind of a weird situation like that. It wasn't actually my choice. A producer called me about an adaptation and they actually want to do a film that would be a prequel to the book that exists. And because they felt the book had a lot of buys and that if we started someplace just a little simpler, that that it would be more likely to get made. And I have no idea if that will be successful. I liked the idea for the prequel, so I hopped on board. But like, and, and the author is good with it too, because in part it leaves her work untouched, right? Like as long as we don't <laughs> say something that would make her book impossible we're not playing in her sandbox exactly we're kind of like building around her sandbox so i think that's pro i you know like the con may be that like you might lose a little of the fan base that way if they go see a a movie that's supposedly based on the book that they loved and then it's not it also can be a a lot more work for you if you're diverging 
pretty greatly from the source material in terms of where it starts and who the main character you there's certain things that you cannot change i don't think you can change the main character uh, in terms of who is the main character Necess- that's not always true but there's certain things that you don't really want to mess with like core structural elements of the project because at a certain point, if you just keep making changes, it's like, how is this even an adaptation? Yeah, no, absolutely. And I tend to think that short stories in YA books make really great adaptations a lot of the time because there's just um, a slightly more cinematic structure, I feel like, to both those things. Or for like a short story that inspires a TV series is so great because all you need to take is the feel of the short story a lot of the time. The world that's created, maybe the main character, although if it's a short story that opens up a giant world, a lot of times you can you can use a different main character or something like that. But it, it's like you get to use a short story as a spark. I'm adapting a couple of projects, but one of them is my own IP. I wrote a short story and I'm adapting it into a TV series. Very cool. The short story was just, it was very, it was simple. I mean, it had a lot of world building and it was, it's a genre sort of slipstream sci-fi dystopian thing, like everything I like to do, but it also is just really focused on these two characters. And so, uh, it doesn't instantly, you know, make you, when you read it, you're not instantly thinking, Oh, I see. This is a story. This is a TV show because it's just, it's meant to be a short story. It's meant to be just a story with beginning, middle and end about this one relationship. But in a TV show, It's got a beginning, middle and end and more beginnings and more middles and more endings. And it's got, you got to fill in the world with all these other characters. So it's interesting that you say that Erica, that it's like a feeling or a a vibe or, you know, the world, but you can definitely go whichever direction you want in terms of, okay, well, who else do I populate this world with? Who are my characters that aren't already in the existing story? It's interesting. It's like, you know, like when you when you read something, so I have, I got the rights to a book that I'm like super excited about. Uh, and we'll, we'll get into how, how you may be able to do that. But I got it because I was reading it and I'm like, this is a TV show, like a hundred percent. This is a TV show. And then there's other books I've read. I'm just like, this is a movie, you know? And this was actually kind of my job for a bit. I was a reader and I would read books specifically and recommend which one should be made into TV shows or movies. And so like, I don't know about you guys, but there's just like a feel to me of whether this is a close-ended story or this is a world that you could live in for five seasons. I don't know if there's a hard and fast rule or if you guys have any thoughts on that. If it's just bigger, if it's genre, if it's fantasy or sci-fi and it's set in another world and there's just so much to it's, – it's, if it's like a sprawling story, then I think that generally you might want to – aim towards TV. But then on the other hand, you are more likely to have the budget that you need. I don't know. I'm not sure. I'm bailing on this question. I'm out. Totally. It's like, you know, Hunger Games is a whole world, but like those books feel like very complete three act stories. So like, I think they made the right decision to do those as movies. Although I wonder if now they would do it as a TV show. That's the other thing. It's kind of also about the, the industry. But yeah, if you look at Marvel, like they make decisions on whether something's a TV show or a movie all the time. My general feeling is that a short story makes a great feature and a novel makes a great television show because, I mean, this is not a hard and fast rule, obviously. There's so many exceptions to this. With a novel, so much of it is interior, so much of it is just the character arcing, so much of it is world building. And that feels like, for me, a television show is the best way 
to explore all of that because you have the time as opposed to a feature when you have such limited real estate. I don't know. I think in general, a, a book series I can usually see as a TV show, but like Jurassic Park, you know, is a perfect movie. And agree. I hear what you're saying. Like a novel, especially with with all the internalization, like cannot work unless you really give yourself the time and space to do it. I think also a lot of times limited series is great, right? Yeah, limited series is great. But also, I should say, there's so many exceptions to the rule, right? Jurassic Park is one of them. Silence of the Lambs, <laughs> you know, those are amazing. Which actually then spawned a TV show later. So, yeah, I think, I think it's just like honestly, your gut feeling is the best way to go. It's like we were talking about in a previous episode of like when we get an idea, we know whether it's feature or TV. Like if you're reading something, you'll probably know in your gut which one it is. Yeah, but if you don't, and you're like, I really can't decide, then it, I would say pick one, go that direction, at least just in terms of how you're thinking about it and brainstorming. And if, if you pick, okay, I think I'm not really sure. So this is how I would do it if I was doing it as a movie. And then if you are just like, there is no possible way I'm going to cram all the elements of this story in that I love and that I think are going to make people want to go to the theater, then maybe think about adapting it as a show instead. We're all talking about the adaptations we're, we're working on. Justin and I, I think, went after our own IP. Hannah, mm-hmm. you created your IP, which is super cool. I thought um, you were like, Jess and I went after our IP like together and I got so jealous. I was like, wow, <laughs> thanks guys. <laughs> wow. Cut me out. Oh <laughs> man, that is some high school mean girl shit. <laughs> so you're each adapting. Uh, yes. We're IP. doing it in different yeah. ways though, which I think is interesting. So for mine, I, I read a book. My sister works in publishing and she was actually the reason I read the book is because she edited the book and she told me to read it and I read it and I was like, holy shit, this is a TV show. And I, this is a very like privileged thing, but like she was able to, she reached out to the author who she's, you know, friends with and because they work together and was like, can my sister talk to you about this? And he was like, absolutely. And so then we like got on a Zoom and I asked him lots of questions and, you know, like kind of said what I wanted to do. And he said, that sounds great. And then his agent and my manager and lawyer got together and did um, a shopping agreement. So currently I am writing it as a pilot. At the end of the year of the shopping agreement, even if I haven't sold it, which, you know, let's face it, probably won't have by then, uh, I have something to show him. And so hopefully he would give me more time. So and, and a shopping agreement is just an agreement that I'm doing this. It No money changes hands uh, either way. And, uh, you know, but he, I, there are limits on what I can do with it, right? I can't necessarily just turn on and sell it to whoever I want. Right. But it also protects you. Yes. He can't, he can't start working with someone else on it. So yeah, it works. It works both ways. It's, it's, I think a common thing to do independently. Like the other option would be that I would option it, right? I would give him money, would agree to a purchase price, um, you know, and, and I would have full rights to it for a specific period, uh, amount of time. And that wasn't the best way for us to go. We both wanted more freedom and less money. My way of doing it was slightly different. I read a book in 20, I guess 2019 or 2020. I read a book I really liked and I asked my manager if the rights were available. I do this with my manager occasionally and every time he's like, oh yeah, those were gone way like years ago. As soon as the book came out, before the book came out, those rights were gone. And yet for some reason I got very, very lucky and the rights to this particular book were still available. And so I wrote a brief letter to the author, just sort of introducing myself, saying how much I loved her book and why I thought I was a good fit for an adaptation. And based off of that letter, the author was willing to meet with me and I could pitch her 
my take. She agreed with my vision and how I had taken what she had and I sort of built on it to, you know, make give it the legs it needed to be a, a five season show. That's that's sort of what we've been up to, um, just taking it out together. It's a lot of work. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot of work. And you know, when you do these kinds of shopping rooms thing and stuff like that, like you have to be prepared to do a lot of work and to some authors are easy, some authors are difficult. They all obviously care about what they've created. And, you know, like, like I said, like, you know, I did a shopping agreement for a year. It's, you know, like, that's not much time to write a pilot and sell it. There was other ways I could have done it, by the way. Like, I could have pitched it instead of writing the script. But for me, it was a decision based on, like, I want to execute the vision of the show that I had while I was reading the book without producers, without anyone else's voice in my head. I wanted to write the version of it that I saw. So even if nothing else comes of this, I will have done an adaptation that I'm proud of. But there are other ways. Like if I, you know, like I could have, you know, gone to producers with a pitch with this book uh, and been like, hey, do you want to do this? And then I would have written the pilot with them. uh, And then we would have tried to sell it, which also still probably wouldn't happen in a year. So like it's a lot of good faith, you know, like maintaining that relationship with the author, respecting them, doing a lot of work to show that you're really committed to to honoring their vision. Yeah, it's sort of a thing about trust, right? Obviously, the author is going to feel very protective of their material. And that is fine and good. What kind of IP? Either in an OWA or finding it yourself, what kind of stuff do you guys look for? Like what intrigues you specifically in an IP? This particular project that I'm adapting now, not the short story, but an OWA that I'm doing, I was drawn to it because honestly, it was like... It was very similar to something that I had just been working on, but I was allowed to take a lot more risks and just, it was sort of like, oh, what if I could do this? It's a very similar property to something else I just worked on, but it's like my version, like instead of somebody else's version, like I would have a lot more creative control. And so I could really do play in a similar sandbox, be in a similar world, but it's like the Hannah Rosner version. And so that really intrigued me and it, but it also felt like, okay, there's, this isn't going to be a tough sell in terms of when I actually do start pitching this and meeting with buyers or production companies, it's not going to feel like a stretch that I would, you know, that I would know how to adapt this kind of material that they're in good hands with me as the writer and creator, because I have a lot of experience in this genre and um, the similar elements. So it's sort of, that's just more of a strategy standpoint, as far as like, from a creative standpoint, I think it's, I'm really drawn to things that I feel a personal connection to. Uh, I know that seems obvious, but where it's like, oh, this main character really reminds me of me. Like, I feel like I see myself in this character. Therefore, I want to bring this character to life. And I feel like it's an opportunity for me to do something new and exciting and something I've always wanted to do creatively. I think there's there's two things for me, right? One is a main character whose voice I feel like I could write the hell out of. Like a lot of times it's like a very feisty female character. <laughs> I tend to be like, yes, I can I want that's who I want to see on my screen. And the other thing I look for is really visual world building. You know, I haven't been drawn to adapting non-genre stuff really. For me, if I'm reading a book and the visuals are really strong and the world building is very visual, then I'm like, I can turn this into something really visual just based on this. I think visual is very important for me. Also, is it a book where things happen? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Because, I mean, I've read many wonderfully written books, beautifully written books where it's all internal. 
And as much as I enjoy reading them, I also know I don't know how to make that visual. I don't know how to dramatize it for the screen. As soon as I read a thing, if I can see the structure, either as a feature or a television show, like, oh, okay, this is like this episode or that episode, or this is the first, end of first act, end of second act, so on. As soon as I see the structure in my head, I know I, and I know I can do that, then I'm usually very interested in adapting it. Hannah, you already kind of talked about this a little bit, but writing IP that you can then adapt is kind of like gaming the system in the coolest way. Production companies and studios are fucking crazy about IP. So you'll have to, I mean, like, I know you're still in the beginning of that process. Was was that on your mind when you decided to, to write the short story? It was on my mind. The reason that I started writing it was I was thinking, you know, it was literally like, hmm, I should write a short story. Like I haven't done that in a while. That'd be fun. And then this idea just came to me that I was like, oh, this is perfect for a short story. It's like, it's not a movie idea yet. It's not a TV show yet, but it struck me as a short story. And I also just sort of wanted to get back into writing prose. I think that's a really good muscle to, to kind of exercise once in a while to take a break from screenwriting and dive back into prose. So it was like partially my strategy, but I will say that the whole time, and I still feel this way, my inner critic was like, okay, but so you have a IP, but so what? You're a nobody. You haven't written anything else. Nobody's like, this short story hasn't even been published yet. So it's, it's sort of like, it's a, it's definitely a gamble. If you're going to write your own IP, I think it's hugely helpful. I don't see very many downsides to creating your own IP because that just expands your range as a writer. People get more excited if they're like, oh, you also write plays. Oh, you also have comic books. I'd say the, the biggest con is wondering, well, is anyone going to care? Because this isn't Harry Potter. This doesn't have a built-in fan base. So does it really matter if it's IP? It's helpful, but it's not the be all end all. That's my understanding. How much, I mean, in your guys' experience, do production companies like really care that much if like how big the fan base is? And if it's not one of the biggest, if it's not the Harry Potter, if it's not Song of Ice and Fire, if it's not something that's that huge, that already has a huge built-in fan base, does it really matter if it's like, you know, between like zero people are aware of this versus like a couple hundred thousand, you know, where you're sort of in that lower echelon of, you know what, nobody knows about this anyway, but it's IP and it exists and we have it. So let's do something with it. I think you have to look at what's been made, right? Like if we look at things that have been made, a lot of times people don't even know like, you know, that movie Ambulance that came out, that's based on like a, a Dutch movie, right? Like that. And, and very few people know that. But someone once, I don't remember who said this, but or a friend told me this joke, but it was something like, why the hell would they name this movie Ambulance? It would be like calling speed bus. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's good. <laughs> We'd have to do kind of an analysis, right, of what's currently being made, how much of it is based on big IP, small IP, or no IP, right? And I think the answer is that all three categories have stuff. You know, like, obviously, big IP has the biggest chance of succeeding, but uh, we're not going to get the rights to those things, right? Uh, at least not anything that's that's hot right now. So, but there are being things made on on smaller IP, and there are being things being made on, on no IP, right? Like, so... It's kind of like, I think every little bit helps. And also, like, if you can make a case for why this should exist, you know, like, how good an argument do you have that, like, while this doesn't have Harry Potter numbers, this is why this should be on screen. And it could be the next Harry Potter. 
always say that they love hearing that. Um, <laughs> it's the next something that made yeah, somebody else. Yeah, we should just say that ahead of, of everything that we do. Like this is yeah. the next Harry Potter. Like this is a horror movie about zombie Valentine's Day. Yes, <laughs> but... and it will be the next Harry Potter. <laughs> I just want to say to our listeners, thank you. Follow us on Twitter. Our handle is at Untitled Female. You can connect with us there or email us at Untitled Female Driven Podcast at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you and tell us what you'd like to hear us talk about. Thanks, guys. Bye. Bye. Bye.